That's our series, A Christian Home, Creating an Environment Where Relationships Can Thrive. Last week, we talked about three different loves. We talked about marriage. We talked about uh, phileo love and agape love and eros love. How could I forget that one? And romance, right? Romance. But we all bent, we, all the loves bent towards agape, you know, the, the deep well that we draw from to, uh, to pour out, to overflow to others. We talked about that last week. This week, we're talking about storge. Now, what is that? Storge love. That's the fourth love this morning. That's family affection. Now, storge looks like agape on the outside. It looks like generosity. It looks like someone who is is giving out of a sense of abundance. But the thing that's different about storge is its motivation. It's coming from a place where there's a sense of desire or uh, a sense of affection. And so it's reciprocal. So it's not really, you know, so whereas agape pays the love of God forward, storge is reciprocal. Let me put an image on it. It's storge is... The, the crow's feet in the smile of your grandmother as she bends down and kisses you on the head. Remember that? That's storge love. There's a sense of warmth. There's a draw to it. So whereas agape love pays something forward, storge love is something you participate in. So this morning, how is it then? Let's take a look at how storge love actually is sort of a training ground. It's something that God puts into families to help us begin to move towards and practice agape love, the love that we pay forward. How do we, fallen creatures prone to center things on ourselves, begin to crawl and walk and run in a redemptive love? Well, it begins with storge love. Let's take a look. From God's word, Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3. Hear God's word this morning. For by the grace given to me, I stay to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, And the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, our serving. The one who teaches, in teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God, bless us now through your word that it would not only help us to think better, 
to feel better, but indeed, Lord, to be people capable of what you have shown to us through Christ. Amen. Well, you know, when you, when you go to bed and there's a cookie, there's one cookie left on the plate and it's gone in the morning. You've been there, right? Or when you're trying to, as a family, decide what to watch and you can't come to any conclusions for some reason. You just can't quite agree on what to watch. Or when there's, we're running to the car and there's, there's only one shotgun seat, you know that selflessness, that unselfishness does not come naturally. <laughs> Doesn't come naturally, nor does it come easy. And in fact, in this day and age, we have a lot of excuses. We, we bought in to a lot of excuses for why it's okay for us just to look out for ourselves. Even in our families, we, we, we look to excuses for why we just look out for ourselves, for number one. And some of us carry that well into adulthood. Some of us carry it to our graves. And we have wounds that we think are more, are more foundational problem than our selfishness. Did you hear what I said? We, we, we carry wounds and we begin to think that those are, are the bigger problem. This is our day and age. We think the woundedness that we experience in relationships is our more foundational problem than our selfishness. And so we give ourselves excuse not to deal with our selfishness and not to try on the kind of agape love that we're called to. This morning, we're, we're going to take a look at the way that God puts affection into families and into friendships and relationships to attract us, to, to have a draw that begins to help us practice unselfishness, unselfishness, so that we can see that the foundational problem that we have is self-centeredness, is selfishness, not the wounds themselves. That, that when we practice that kind of borrowed love, when we practice because we're drawn by affection, we can begin to deal with the fundamental problem that can make it easier for us to forgive. And some of us need to do that. Some of us in this room uh, need to maybe lower or change your expectations about your families of origin. Some of us need to simply just take stock in the fact that family affection is a place where we all learn to crawl and walk and then run. So let's like take a look at how Storge helps us practice drawing from the well we talked about last week, drawing that, paying that forward, that love that we receive from God, that unconditional regard that we receive. Storge helps us practice. First, crawling, then walking, then running. Let's take a look. First, to crawl in terms of how we practice agape through this brotherly affection, through this family affection. Storge gives us, here, here's, here's the crawl part of this. Storge just gives us an identity that's bigger than ourselves. See, if we're going to live with a greater sense of selflessness, right, giving ourselves over a little bit more, we need to recognize that the first step is to, to know that, that this affection that God puts into families and into friendships that we're talking about this morning, 
it gives us a bigger identity than just ourselves. That's the first step. Well, it's the first crawl. Just, just identifying with something bigger than ourselves. Do you see how that works? When you identify with something bigger than yourself, you've just planted a little seed of something that's broader than that unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Identity. Storge gives us, a, that affection gives us an identity that's a little bit bigger than ourselves. Verse 3, and, and following it says, think of yourselves with sober judgment. It's a, it's a call to identify to something bigger. Sober judgment. He's talking, what's he talking about? He's talking about how we, we all have particular gifts, but what are those gifts for? They're part of something bigger. They're given to you because you are part of something bigger. And he keeps saying, in measure to your faith. Well, that's not saying, well, some people have just a little faith and some people have big faith. He's using faith in a more general way. He's saying, in, in proportion to the, the way that God's faith is working within you, it's a part of something bigger. You see how he's saying this? See how it's working? That you're part of something bigger. It's kind of like this. If you're going down the highway, and uh, maybe it's a two-lane highway, it's starting to get a little scary. I'm starting to flash my lights when I see somebody weaving coming towards me. I just flash my lights a little bit. I'm like, stop texting. <laughs> Think, well, what's, what goes on inside of me, what's happening inside of me, the feelings that I have, oh, that's my business. Well, no, actually, what's happening inside your car affects the way you relate to traffic. You're part of something bigger. The Christian is one who recognizes and identifies not just with me, myself, and I, but with we. That we have a, a we identity. We, we recognize that we're part of something bigger. We have a, a broader identity. That means, so for example, a, a story I heard about this when it comes to church. I heard a, a father say this, that he was sitting between his son and his wife. And on the way, and, and on the way, on the way home, uh, he, he just sort of thinking back to that picture of being in the worship service between his son and his wife, he was listening to them talk about the music. And um, one of them really loved a particular song, and the other one did not like that particular song. And then another one really loved the opposite song. And the other one did not like that song. So there were two songs. The son loved the one and the mother didn't. And the mother loved the one, the son didn't. And the father's sitting there going, that sounds about right. I think we got it. I think that's where we need to be. It's not all about me and my tastes and whether or not I'm having a good experience. Individually, that there's something for everybody, that there's a larger identity here in this church and in your family, that you're looking out for that, not just what do I want, what do I need, what are my tastes, what do I care about, what's going on with me, but to be aware, to have a radar that says there are other people in the room, there are other people in the car, there are other people in the household. How are things with them? Storge is that grandmother's smiling eyes love that draws you in and says, you know, I really care about this person. I feel a sense of warmth here, and I care about what's going on with them. This is what Paul is expressing here in this passage, in the, 
that we learn to crawl, that we, we benefit from having this affection within families and friendships so, so that we will move towards each other to give and not just to get, that we'll have a greater sense of identity, that there's something that I bring that's part of a greater whole. There, there's a, a boober, a, a scholar from a couple hundred years ago, wrote a, uh, a book called I and Thou, and he began to recognize that we have relationships with things, like a chair. We have, we have um, relationships with abstract things, like an institution. But what overlaps with things and with institutions are people. And so he began to distinguish, okay, how, do we, how am I relating to things? Well, I have an I-it relationship to things. How am I relating to people? I have an I-thou relationship. And began to see that sometimes he was relating to people as though they were objects. And I think that's, that's one of the fallacies we have to look out for, particularly in the West, but particularly in America, is that we're so individual we have so many resources and it's it's baked into our very culture this rugged individualism you know emerson said do your own thing the bible gives us a bigger framework and that framework calls us to have an identity that is a we identity not just me we so that we're we have I-thou relationships with people. We're not treating them as things. We're not treating them as objects. We're not treating people as a means to my individual end. Storge helps us with that. Storge helps us with the draw into relationship that we can feel like it, feel like giving, feel like caring, feel like relating well so that we can practice, practice, practice what eventually becomes paying something forward, the agape love of God, unconditional as to whether or not I feel like doing it. You know, when a couple stands up on a, 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 and, and they say, I do, it's not about affection, although affection got them there, agape will get them the distance. Storge helps us practice the crawl. Now, how do you walk? If Storge gives us a bigger identity, that's to crawl, how do we walk? Storge also gives us a new motivation, a different motivation beyond self, a motivation beyond self. And that motivation is when we recognize we're part of something bigger, we want to add value to it. That's to walk. That's the motivation, a new motivation that says I'm part of a bigger identity and I want to add value to it. You can see that uh, throughout verse, verses 4 through 8, that uh, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Should we go to church this morning? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, do I feel like it? Do I not feel like it? I'm, I, I put too fine a point on it. I'm just, I'm trying to have fun, but that didn't really go over very well. Because you're here this morning. You, you get credit. You can, you can participate in that. It's like, you know, we all feel that sometimes. I understand that. Yeah, but you're the pastor. Yeah, we all feel that sometimes. 
get the nudge from, the, from bed. Hey, honey, you got to go to church this morning. I don't feel like, yeah, but you're the pastor, and they're kind of counting on it. <laughs> right? But, but do I think bigger? Do I think there are people there who might appreciate me being there that might need the encouragement of somebody else in the row, of somebody else singing, of somebody else greeting, noticing that they're there. We're part, we're members of one another. And that draw, that affection that we have in this place. So evident, it's one of the reasons that, it's the chief reason that people, uh, when we ask them, hey, what, what drew you here? It's, it's that sense of welcome and affection, brotherly love. You know, during the pandemic, did, did you hear about how the animal shelters emptied out during the pandemic? Did you hear about this? That, that people were isolated and they were lonely and they wanted to go to church or they wanted to get together with other family members, extended family, and they couldn't. And so they adopted uh, from the, the, the shelters. Now, so this is a great picture of Storge, uh, of yeah, that, that wet puppy nose love, you know? That, that gives us a warmth, a sense of affection. You know, somebody who brings the, the toy to the door when you come in, you know, they're just wagging their tail and waiting for it. That's store get love. And we get something from it. We get something from it. What do we get and give here as part of adding value? Well, in the Old Testament, there's a place that says, do not muzzle an ox on the threshing floor. Do you understand what that means? That means when, when the oxen is pulling, is turning that big wet, that stone, that, that millstone, and grinding out the wheat, that you, you let the oxen eat. You don't, you don't muzzle them because it, it, there's a reciprocal relationship between the work and the oxen's fulfillment. So, Yes, you are the oxen in this illustration. It's okay. It's okay. Um, no animals were hurt during the making of this illustration, uh, and you won't be either. The idea here is that you are fruit. You become fruitful and fulfilled as part of the body, fruitful and fulfilled. This is what this is what Paul is talking about here. That you have a gift to bring, and it's good to feel a sense that of fulfillment that you contribute, that you add value to this place or to your family. That's a good thing. It's a part of Storge. I'm bringing value. I get something from this. I, I feel fulfilled in being fruitful. This is, this is the vision that Paul is setting up for the church. We want you plugged into this place in a way that makes you feel fruitful and in the process fulfilled that is okay. That's, that's good. It's what? It's motivating. It's motivating. That's the walk of Storge, to be motivated. Do you, when you sit around the, the, the conference table, are you aware of the, the value that you're bringing, your body language? When you sit around the, the, uh, the dinner table, the breakfast table, you, you begin to become aware that your attitude, your facial expressions, your, yeah, again, your body language, your posture, the way that you engage with one another. You know, we, we often draw down on the people that are most important to us. We take advantage of each other in ways 
that presume upon the intimacy of that relationship or the obligation of that relationship. Paul's saying, hey, you've got an opportunity to add value around the table. When you come together with the people you work with, when you come together around the dinner table, how are you adding value to the whole? How are you identifying with the people around that table in such a way that you're pouring something in, you're bringing something, you're aware of what's really going on. I, we've got a family text and we share little videos and there was one that was shared recently of a, of a child. He, he had to be in first or second grade and he seemed to be more self-aware than I am. I'm, I'm looking at this kid, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm not this self-aware most of the time. He comes and, and it looks like, it sort of video picks up as the second half of the conversation. It looked like the father or the grandfather wanted to wrestle this kid. He was like, first or second grade, and he says, uh, he says, I'm cranky, and I'm tired, and I worked hard in school. He's got this, these gestures that are just incredible. He's like, I'm cranky, and I'm tired, and I worked hard in school, okay? I'm, it's like a warning. It's like, look, hey, <laughs> this wrestling thing may end really badly for you, Grandpa, Okay? And then he starts walking away. He said, well, are we going to be able to wrestle later? And he turns around and said, well, maybe. But I'm cranky and I'm tired and I worked hard in school. I'm like, oh my gosh, second grader, more self-aware than I am. He's like, okay, I'm, just, I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use my words instead of my temper tantrum. That's pretty amazing. Um, Tim, why are you using this illustration? Well, don't you feel it? <laughs> don't you feel it? I mean, I, it's like, yeah, this, I'm learning something here about how I could do it better and add something around the table, add something to the staff or to the, the breakfast. Pretty practical stuff, but you see how the motivation is there that God builds it in the affection of families, that he builds it in so that we will begin to get into a pattern that looks like agape love, paying forward agape love. Finally, to run. To run is to recognize that we have a bigger responsibility. We have a bigger identity. We're part of a whole. We add value to that whole. We walk and we run by recognizing that we have a bigger responsibility as a result. God has put us into families. He's put us into this church. We identify with this church. We add value to this church. We have a bigger responsibility beyond us. Storge gives us an affection that we recognize comes from not just creaturely uh, draw or a creaturely hook or a creaturely feeling, but that it lines up with the architecture of the universe. See, that's the responsibility, that there's something here that we're supposed to pay attention to. Paul's saying, there's something here to pay attention to that puts the universe back together better than it, it usually functions. That we as families and as a church can relate to one another in a way that points to that hidden architecture, bigger than just how we feel about it. This is how we begin to run, to say, gosh, I really, I really do feel this identity. I really do want to add value. I love it when I do. I feel fruitful and fulfilled. But now I see there's something to this. There's something that transcends. There's something, there's a principle here. 
there's a principle of this exchange, this give and take of brotherly love. Uh, the, the word that I've been, the, the whole sermon has hinged around is, is in verses 9 and, and 10. It, it uses the word brotherly love. It puts phileo, we talked about that last week, so sort of the intimacy, knowing and being known, brotherly love, together with storge, affection. And this is the idea, again, that we're lining up with, let me just say it differently, the common good. That hidden architecture is the common good. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about here. So Teddy Roosevelt was out. He loved to be out in the West. He loved to be out in the fields. He had some land out there. He hired a new hand, uh, a new ranch hand, and... um, I guess it was a time when a lot of the cattle would roam free, and sometimes uh, a neighbor's cattle would mix in with other cattle, and, uh, and sometimes they would have calves, and those calves would wander and uh, not have a brand on them yet to say, whose calf was that? Well, this new ranch hand uh, saw that there was a calf wandering around, and it was unbranded, and he was ready to brand it uh, for Roosevelt. And Roosevelt said, no, I, I know that kind of cow. It's not, it's not mine. It's, it belongs to my neighbor. And this ranch hand got sort of a twinkle in his eye and heated up the brand and branded it for Roosevelt anyway. And he said, you are dismissed. If you will steal for me, then you will steal from me. You're dismissed. There is a malignancy that can creep into our family or group loyalty. There is a malignancy in the mafia, for example. You can see this sort of affection that, that a... a a a mob family might have for one another and a loyalty that is fierce but is malignant. And I think we as a church, especially as we look ahead to 2024, need to recognize that we have a deeper loyalty to one another than partisan politics. We have a deeper loyalty to one another than our stand on any particular issue We have to recognize that Satan wants to divide. We have to recognize that we have something precious and sacred given to us. That when we crawl, when we walk, when we run in affection towards one another, there's a reason why God has put this into us, this draw, this attraction. It's not just so that we'll be fulfilled, but so that we will bend towards agape, so that we'll live differently in our age, so that we can be people who are divided by issues and yet united in Christ. Otherwise, what is it that we have to offer the world that's any different? Do you think that I'm trying to prepare for 2024? Absolutely. Every pastor that I talk to is worried about next year being worse than 2020 or 2016. 
And so well ahead of how, well ahead of the anxiety, well ahead of the potential debating, I think it's important to recognize there is a malignant kind of loyalty that we can have to a group. And what we're called to is something much, much deeper. Where is your loyalty? Paul is saying, I'm telling you where it is. God has given us to each other. And this place in your family is a stewardship. And the attraction, the draw that we feel, the reciprocal sense of friendship that we feel is training ground so that we can demonstrate a much deeper pay-it-forward kind of love. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your uh, demonstration of affection. We think of, we think of the way that John leaned against you, how he just felt so at ease like a big brother. But, but Lord, how amazing it is that that brother is really the father, a father who, with authority, cracked open this broken universe and poured in the light of the love that is unconditional. Lord, in this place and time, would you help us to crawl and to walk and to run? In Jesus' name, amen.